Vibe talk. All right, I call for good. All right, that looks I'm good. I'm ready. Levels look good. So. Thank you. Nice, right, ready whenever you are. So there's chewy Skittles. <laughs> Skittles in five, four, three. That Skittles pops. Yeah, sorry. Post Halloween. So since this is bits per second, we're, it's going to be forty percent about Red Story from Russia, and we're going to make sixty percent wrestling. Okay, oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because the one at Madison Square Garden with New Japan was packed. But I think that was New Japan. Yeah, maybe. I think that's also when they jumped the shark. All right, you finished chewing your Skittles yet, Jared? I did. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Bits Per Second Podcast. I'm Jim. I'm Jared. I'm Tim. And uh, today we have a special guest, and that special guest is... My name is Vlad. Thank you for having me. Uh, Vlad's on. Vlad's Vlad, back. Vlad is back uh, uh, due to popular request and... Our request. Our most uh, downloaded podcast was, was the Vlad one. I think, it was, and what was the least downloaded podcast? It's probably my first appearance. <laughs> and, so the first the first episode ever? Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, no, the one where we recorded it in downstairs and I spilled coffee everywhere. Oh, that was it? Yeah. yeah. The one that, about ghosts. Oh, yeah. The, the one about too many ghosts. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember that. Like, you, you spilled my coffee, and Clayon was just like, that, see, that's what you get. That's what you get. Yeah, he was very angry about that. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Vlad, why we're having Vlad here on this special episode. So on this very special episode of Bits Per Second, uh, we want to have Vlad come in, and because Vlad has a really interesting story about how he you know, came to the United States and adopted this culture and um, this country is his own. For those who have uh, who need to catch up, Vlad is our resident Russian mime. Uh, he has, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the with the way Vlad works, he is trained under Marcel Marceau, the world's foremost mime ever. In, in, the only in famous mime. mime. He's like, not the only famous mime. Well, for Bill Irwin okay. is, is a very famous I, mime. Can we he say the in, most he famous mime? He was in the Jim Carrey Grinch. All right, no, yeah, like he's the probably the most famous mime. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he brings to our shows uh, something that n- no improv group has, uh, like a, a skill at mind that that makes that makes him unique and makes us unique. So like that that's just a, just for those who are unfamiliar. But so yeah, like, yeah. So Vlad wanted to come in and just kind of give us the tell his story. So they're all on wax, and uh, people like listening to him. And it's, you know it's it's. One of the things that makes Vlad so interesting is you're not getting just the three of us talking about, well, for me, wrestling, wrestling. for an hour and a half. It's really, you get to see, an out, not an outsider's perspective, but someone else's story that's very different from the um, mid thirty white guy racket that we're running here. Started doing improv in college. Well, <laughs> you know, people told me I was funny and... 
I went to Del Close Marathon once, and then, yeah, yeah. That's my yeah, thing. I showed up to an audition. <laughs> showed up to an audition. And, said, yeah. and Vlad's story is it's just very different from him. Yeah. Do you have a button-down shirt? Yeah, I got one. Yeah. I use those for work. <laughs> so, uh, where do we want to begin? So, I guess we'll start off with um, Vlad. I know that one of the things that you wanted to talk about was kind of your the days leading up to your last day in the Soviet Union. So you want to give us like an idea of what that was like? Because I know you kind of planned some of this out quite a bit, right? Yes, it's a big step in a life. Um, you can't just say, all right, tomorrow I'm leaving, and that's about it. Um, you have to be prepared for a long, long haul. And, in fact, you have to be prepared for outcome, which is absolutely terrible. When I was leaving, some of my friends were celebrating... 10 years of being refused uh, wow. to leave the country. And uh, I what, was... What year one... was this happening about? To give a... To kind of set... 1981. 1981. Okay. So, in... I think 1974, that's when the first uh, Soviet immigration started because of Nixon and Brezhnev. They kind of come up with the idea, all right, you guys let them go and we'll, we'll help you economically. And first people who left, they could bring with them some furniture, they could bring with them some um, important papers and stuff and everything. But very soon, the doors start closing and closing and closing. You can bring less and less and less and less. And the amount of people who could actually leave became less and less and less and less. So what happened was, in my particular family... Uh, the question of leaving the country wasn't just in the 70s. The first time it came up in 1948. Uh, obviously, I wasn't alive yet, but what happened was my dad, he is not born in Soviet Union. He was born in Poland. And because of Germany occupying Poland in World War II, he escaped through the border to Soviet Union. He became uh, Soviet citizens where he met my wife, my uh, mom and you know they got married, had two kids. In 1948, after World War II ended, Red Cross was reuniting people who were all over the world because of uh, occupation, and he got in touch with his brother who was in Palestine, mm -hmm. in Israel at that time. So and that was the first time he said, "Well, let's go." And my mom said no because she still had her mom alive, they had a little kid, my brother, mm -hmm. just being born, so the whole thing just was gone. Then second time, in 1956, was the same thing. Um, let's go, because the country is, you know, under the Stalin re regime, and everybody uh, really want to be free, and my mom said, Second time, no, because her mom just died, mm. and I was born like two months premature. I was very, very sick, and she said no. And then my dad kind of adapted into the life, made good with his profession, and they start being, you know, living actually okay life compared to a lot of other Russians people. So... My dad, in 1976, took my mom and they went to Poland mm -hmm. as the tourists. 
And that changed everything because when my mom saw how in Poland, and Poland is not France, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it's another part of, you know, it's a, it's a communist block. How much better people live there, how much f- more freedom they have. Something clicked in her head and she's like, well, I guess I'm more open to all of that. Huh. And I think my dad in that point, like, yeah, there's no way we're going to stay there. If shitty Poland is so much better <laughs> than we are here, you can imagine how much better it is in a different country. And he made a decision. So when he made a decision, he came over and he said, like on one Sunday, hey, guys, I'm leaving. And we're like, what? How? Where? What do you want? Because you couldn't find more, you know, father who was, Absolutely everything for the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was bluffing or if it was just his way to say, I'm leaving you guys too. And because you can't make your freaking mind, I have to do it very strong hand. I can't tell what exactly was in his mind. But after that, we all took it seriously. Hmm. And my mom said, all right, if you go, I guess I have to go, but I'll never leave my kids here. And did your dad have? I don't mean. So yes. Did your dad have family still back in Poland? No. Okay. Everybody died. Oh Jesus. Uh, so my mom said, "Okay, but I'm not leaving any of the kids. So if kids going with us, ask them." So he asked my brother, and my brother said, "Well, I am ready, but I'm not sure my wife is ready." Because he was already married with a kid. So they asked wife, and wife said, well, if my husband goes, I go too. And I'm like, I'm single, I'm ready. I don't know why you're asking me, I'm still young. Okay. So you're around 20, 20 years old I was 22. Okay. So at that time, all right, family has to prepare for long-term suffering. Why? Because you can't walk while you applied for immigration because basically you tell everybody you are betraying your country. (laughs) So everybody would kick you out from work anyway. If you walk anywhere with money, you don't want to do it. If you walk with gold, you don't want to do it. If you walk in uh, retail, you don't want to do it. So anywhere you can get in trouble, you really don't want to walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the like, you're basically saying, like, look, I'm I'm about to reject your entire philosophy yes. and the entire right. collect, the, the the philosophy of the collective that we have in this country. But I'd like to still benefit from it. That's right, and yeah. you can't you can't do that. I still like my bread, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, what my dad did, he bought a car. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Because you can't put money mm-hmm. in a bank. This, it's, you just can't, because they're going to ask where the money from, and you know. So he bought a car, the car got in a garage and was never driven. Mm-hmm. None of us know how to drive the car. It was an investment to sell it later on. Mm-hmm. We bought furniture that was wrapped up just like in the Portuguese house. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was wrapped up. And the cultures come together. <laughs> That's right. And put it in a corner. Why? Because later on we're going to, to sell it. Sell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom left her job. My brother left his job. I left my job. My sister-in-law left her job, so we all left. The only person who stayed, my dad. Mm-hmm. What he did, if he was the second person in a big company, 
he became 26 person mm. in a different company no relations to the money not just administrative work right but he was still bringing some money in and he was very much in control of that and then we filled up application and got it all of that was done with my dad his connections how to do it because otherwise bureaucracy would kill you and then it starts interesting thing all of a sudden you realize that you're a member of a lot of different unions and none of them wants you mm-hmm. so you go to the union and say listen i already quit my job uh, can you please get me out of the union they don't want to get you out why because it reflects really badly on their books oh like they look like they're losing people that's right yeah they're like yeah. no but you know we can kind of figure out how to, well i'm not paying anything anymore no union pay because i'm not all right so they kick you out then you go to the young communist group and you're saying listen i want to get out please kick me out and they say, no, we're not going to kick you out because <laughs> we didn't admit you. You got admitted uh, where you live, but you come over here in a different department. That's where you work. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll go where I live. I go to the different department saying, please kick me out. They say, no, 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 no. You walk there. They're going to kick you out. So I'm like, guys, I don't care who kicks me out. I just want <laughs> to be out. Please do it. So finally, a couple of phone calls, they figure out who is going to kick you out, they're kicking you out. And then army, army still wants you. It doesn't matter that you applied for the, uh, you know, being a betrayer. they still want you because every six months they're on your ass. And that was the story that was, uh, I told you before, where I had to get out. There was no other way for me. So that was the whole story. And the same thing was with my brother, the same thing was with my mom, and with my sister-in-law. And then two long years uh, last. So in that time, you can't walk. And we're slowly selling everything. We have library, we're selling, we have any uh, rings or any jewelry, we're slowly selling. Uh, Car is, is gone, but that money just still here for two years years. so obviously after two years the whole apartment is very empty and you have a lot of free time now in that free time I took photography Mm -hmm. because you had to do something I wrote poetry which I'm terrible at but I enjoyed (laughs) it very much I did some interesting mind pieces that I could never do before. And one was about Paris prostitutes, yep. which was very funny. And so it was kind of plus. Plus I read a lot and I developed a different group of friends. As soon as I told them that I'm leaving the country, a lot of people say, listen, we love you. But from that point on, we're not your friends. We just can't. Because we have to build our career here. Mm-hmm. We have to live here. You're living, if you're lucky. Uh, nothing against you personally, but it, now it affects us. It would be like social pressure on them to be Absolutely. related to you. Yes. In fact, a good friend of mine, a lady, we went to school together, and we've been very, very good friends. Uh, she was in university. She was working in university, Central University. So what she did, she went to the 
special uh, office. So ba basically, little KGB office inside the uh, university mm -hmm. because each one of them had it. And she said, listen, I have a friend that I know since we were little kids and he's emigrating uh, to Israel. You couldn't tell where it is, but he's emigrating, he's living in the country and I'm going to keep seeing him. Okay, I'm just telling you. You don't right. have to call me back. I'm just telling you that's what I'm going to do. You know what the answer she got? Oh, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so for a lot of people, stopping seeing us is absolutely understandable. They live from that point on in a different reality. Mm -hmm. Okay? If you remember, it was 1980 Olympic Games. Yep. And... That was a lot the one of that the United States boycott. That's right. right. Yeah. And a lot of foreigners got into the uh, Soviet Union, so they cleaned all the Moscow from anybody who was begging, who was drunk, so they cleaned the whole thing. And I remember at that time being uh, afraid to go outside because they were actually looking for people who is late, who doesn't look right. Mm. I would stay home, just stay away. And... If there's a way to get out somewhere, I would just call a taxi. Like, mm. all right, bring me from this point to this point. So eventually, two years passed by, and uh, we got our permission to leave, and they gave us three weeks. Those three weeks, the most hectic three weeks that you can find, mm -hmm. because whatever you have, all of a sudden don't have any value. Mm. You can't take it with you. I never took that many taxes in my life. <laughs> yeah, double. It doesn't matter because money means nothing anymore. You, yeah. you, 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 you can. Whatever little you have, you can't even take it with you. Apartment is empty. You know, people coming over saying goodbye. They're crying. You go to visit uh, relatives and they're crying. They're saying goodbye because at that time when you were living, you were dying. Because none of us would ever thought that we'd come come back. Yeah, there was no phone calls out. out no, the you can you can make a phone call. Okay, but there's no way to come back. Right, they're kicking you out. They'll never yeah. see you again. They'll, they'll never see you again. Mm -hmm. So when I said goodbye to my grandma, I I knew I'd never see her again. Yeah. it's no question. And uh, um, I went to say goodbye to my aunt, and she's crying, and she said. Aren't you afraid to leave Russia? And I'm like, well, Auntie, I already did decide. There's no question. It's been a aren't process going, for two years. Yes. Yeah. Aren't you going to miss it? I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. But really, there's nothing for me. Everybody that I love and close, they're with me. But what about white birches? And I'm like, what? <laughs> this is like the last thing on my mind. It's not an uncommon tree. <laughs> well... It's kind of symbolic for Russians. Okay. I have some pictures and I'll show oh, you guys. It's really symbolic of it. But the level of understanding and how people who staying there and people who living, it's absolutely two different worlds. Yeah. And those worlds don't connect any longer. And um, then it was the last day. So if you want me to bring you to the last day in the country, I can. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Um, we had few people in the house. There was no way to sit, and I didn't want to be in the house. So 
I took a taxi and I went to my friend's house, uh, not house, apartment actually. And they had a big party for me, goodbye. So we were sitting there, we were laughing, we are singing, we are doing all stuff. And I'm sitting till probably three o'clock in the morning. And then at three o'clock, I took a taxi home and I'm driving and the guy is like, well, you kind of late. I'm like, yeah. I'm late, I know. Can you just drive me all around? And while he was driving me, I was just mentally saying goodbye to everything mm -hmm. that I loved and where I grew up. Mm -hmm. It's a huge city. I lived there for 24 years. I loved every corner of it. And I knew I'll never see it in my life. Mm -hmm. And that night, that ride in a taxi, still in me, it's like mm. still photographed in yes in your i'm driving on absolutely empty streets it's february it's dark it's cold um and i'm driving and he's like it's not the way to do it i'm like it doesn't matter just drive don't, don't, don't worry about it and he's asking me some questions and i'm just like let me just be yeah and i'm looking outside and i was smoking at the time so i would have one cigarette after another and then finally he dropped me at my uh, house, apartment house, and I look, we used to live in a 12-story uh, house on the top floor. <clears throat> and the whole house is absolutely black. On the top floor is the light, and this is my apartment. So I go there, there's some people, and they're like, all right, another hour, car's coming down, and we're going to airport. Cars come in. We all got in, we drove to airport, we said final goodbyes, and then we went through customs. By the time we got through customs, I was so happy to leave. <laughs> <laughs> because you know exactly why you leave. First of all, we had only one young lady, okay, which is my brother's wife. Okay. They took you to the separate room to strip shirt. Oh, okay. Sure. There was no reason for it. She had nothing. She had nothing, okay? Yeah. But she was the youngest one, she was the most prettiest, and that's what they do. Yeah. Son of a bitches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? I had, uh, as I told you, I took photography. Yeah. So I took a camera, which was cheap camera, an expensive camera. They took expensive camera and said, you know what, we're not allowed this anymore. Well, it's not on the list that it's not allowed. It doesn't matter. Rules change. Guess what? I don't have any way to return it. Yeah. I can't take it with me. The custom guy, he wanted that camera. Mm -hmm. And that was his way to say, it's mine now. An asshole probably still has it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, fine. Take it. I don't give a shit. I just want to get out from here. By the time we went through the customs and sat in an uh, aeroplane, I'm like, I'm not going to miss this fucking country anymore. <laughs> you know, they did everything. They took everything out of me. Mm -hmm. And the last day just made it absolutely mm -hmm. right. The decision was right. So we got an airplane and now uh, this is like first time out of the country. And I really don't know what to expect. Oh, you didn't go with your dad when you went to Poland? 
No. Okay. No, it was only mom and dad. Okay. So we're arriving. We're arriving in Vienna, Austria, mm-hmm. and I'm for a little shock. Why? Because majority people on a plane, which are not immigrants as us, just got out, left, and they're gone. All of us still in a plane. They don't let us out. Then the door open. We get out, and there's the military police all around us with the German dogs, okay, with the automatic rifles, yeah. uh, and they're like surrounding us, and like, okay, run from here to there. We're like, oh, holy crap! All right, <laughs> wow. <laughs> And we're running, okay? Oh, no, People... the rumors about capitalism are true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people in the airport from the Red Cross, they met us and they said, listen, I know it's a little bit strange, but this is for your protection, okay? Because we don't know if anybody will attack you yeah. because we know what it is. So don't take it personally. That's how we do it. This is the way to do it. We're like, all right. Because you really don't know what to expect, yeah. okay? If somebody would come over to me and all of a sudden kiss me in the lips, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't know what to accept, uh, expect. So they got us in the buses and we're driving. And I'm looking out of the window of the bus and I'm like, I don't know. It's not how I pictured being, you know, on the West. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And they got us in a little, um, so the uh, front gates open, they got us in, in the area. And I'm looking around, and everywhere is a wire, barbed wire. So we're there, and then they show us into basically barracks. You know, very clean, very Mm -hmm. nice, but there's no... Uh, where to sleep like a regular bed mm-hmm. it's like bunk beds bunk beds yeah so alright we're there so wait the whole thing it was like a, like an immigration camp yes okay yeah it was a Red Cross camp okay, okay. and we weren't uh, free to leave but inside everybody being treated very well you know they checked they asked what, what do you want da, 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 da. we had a big Area, common area where we can go and eat anytime, and everybody like, oh, this is interesting food. Oh, this is very interesting. The way they, you know, everything is red and blue, not gray and black like it used to be. <laughs> so everything is foreign, and, and we don't know what is what. And then it's interesting because for the first time, you with people who exactly go through what you did. Mm-hmm. You're not part of the different system. you all together at one. And everybody telling a story, how terrible it was, how easy it was, who did the, the, they bribe, who they didn't bribe. Now you can tell all the anecdotes that you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Every, nobody's whispering. Nobody is looking like, can I tell this? I'm not yeah. everybody. Like, <laughs> absolute. And it's interesting because you in a small camp area with the dogs around and police surrounded and barbed wire, but you feel freer than you in a back in a home country. Mm-hmm. 
it's weirdest yeah. feeling. So then people from uh, Israel embassy coming over and say, okay, who's ready to go to Israel? We can send you right tomorrow because everybody had visas to Israel in order to leave the country, Soviet Union. That's the only visa you can get. So half of the people gone next day. They took them right away. Everybody else have a choice. Now they have to figure out where you're going. Some people go to Germany, some people going to Australia, some people, majority, going to United States. But they don't have papers, so we have to wait for it. So there's a long process how to write, who, what, where. It's again uh, bureaucracy. So you stay there for about two weeks. In those two weeks, you basically have nothing to do except gossip. <laughs> And that's what people do. Yeah. So after two weeks, they have your preliminary papers. And again, you're running, 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 dogs around, the military things around, and you into the train station. Uh, they put you on a train and you go. The next thing you know, you're in Italy. You're in Rome. Same thing there. They uh, meet you there. They bring you to the uh, little area where they go through the papers. And then they say, okay, we're going to put you uh, for two weeks in Rome. Now, obviously, they don't have much money. Uh, so they couldn't put you in apartments. They couldn't put you in hotels. Yeah. So they put you like in a little what they call pensions. And it's usually close or in in the red light district. Wow. <laughs> it's cheap. Wow. That's real estate. Yeah. Guess what? For a 21-year-old guy, that was That's great. Like great. <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. And now you're free to walk. There's no more camp. You live in the pension, so you just have to show up. They'll give you breakfast. They'll give you dinner. They'll have your lunch. You just have to show up there. What was the place like? Was it like a hostel? I don't know what hostel is. Was it like were you were you sharing like a room with a bunch of other people with a no no beds? no everybody had its own rooms okay um, so it's kind of like there a... was a common uh, place to eat okay uh, but we had all our rooms like family had rooms yeah not yeah. like I had room by myself yeah. no I lived with my family um, but we were free to walk everywhere so I walked all over the Rome that was great. And that's when I discovered pizza. <laughs> For the first time in my life, fresh, beautiful pizza. Do they have a, a version of it in Russia? Or no. Was it? No, no. No, no. We have potatoes. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was absolutely wonderful. Why? Because it was cheap and it was delicious. It was mm -hmm. fresh. It was crunchy. And I was eating it so much and absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. So, First step to becoming an American, falling yeah. in love with pizza. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you about American pizza later on. But nevertheless, that was uh, in Italy. And now, thing, now another thing in Italy that was different is breakfast. Because we usually had like kasha, like, yeah. you know what kasha is? Yeah, like the, like the grain. Like cereal, yeah. yeah. Uh, for breakfast. Uh, or fried eggs. You know, or fried potatoes, like something heavy. In uh, Italy, no, that was cup of coffee, that was beautiful Italian bread 
with a butter and a jam. Mm. And everybody like, hmm, this is so unusual. This is so good. Yes, I can get used to it. This is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just because it's different. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another thing which really was interesting to me that nobody made uh, shopping. Culture. Everybody would go to the store and buy fresh everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's no lines. You don't buy bread for a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, you just go and buy a little bit for to tonight, mm-hmm. and that's always fresh and it's always there. That was amazing to me. A lot of people kissing outside. Uh, young people like absolutely inhabitant free. This was in, in, like in, inhibition free. Inhibition free. Yes, uh, they hold hands, they hug, they kiss. Uh, we went to the Pantheon mm-hmm. and these arches, and I'm walking in the arch, you know, all around, all around, and in one of them, they're just doing it right there. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to live. Yeah. Ciao. Yes. <laughs> you know, from where we come from. If I hold somebody's hand or kiss somebody in public, one old lady like Babushka, like, you, <laughs> she would yell at me and run after me. But all of a sudden, that's fine. My wife would actually prefer the Russian rules. <laughs> so after two weeks in a red district, uh, oh, another interesting thing. So I'm walking around and there's a live sex uh, theaters. Mm-hmm. So where you can go and see the live sex instead of... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I didn't have any money uh, to do that. But you go and you watch like one, two, three. And they have like pictures and, you know, advertisement for, for that. That was interesting. And then they had movie theater. Okay. And in that movie theater, they had, you know, like light porn movie. So, I had money for that. (laughs) Now, the extent I've never seen in my life. Like, it it never happened. So, I got some money, and I sneak in, and I bought, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching. And then I look, and I'm sitting, like, somewhere in the back. And then I'm looking forward. It's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) You got to see this capitalist porn. This is unreal. <laughs> so that was hilarious. That was hilarious. But I have to tell you, like half an hour into it was kind of boring. Like, okay, all right. Yeah. I, I kind of expected more to it. Uh, so after two weeks, they gave us papers and they said, all right, we have to wait because we've filed for you. We filed in the countries that you wanted. So now we have to wait. For America, it usually takes two months. For Australia, it takes about six months. For Germany, it takes about seven months. So you guys have to get comfortable. So they gave us some a little bit of money, and they kicked us out from those pensions, and they tell us where to rent apartments. So we went to the little town, uh, which called La Dispoli. Beautiful little thing. It's right on the beach. It's right on the uh, uh, sea. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's beautiful there. Honestly, God, we rented apartment, all of us. Uh, we lived there. And now what is interesting is that a lot of people just like me, young, mm-hmm. doing nothing for two months at the beach resort, basically. 
Well, it's a beautiful <laughs> life. That's it. It is a beautiful life. Yeah. So there's a lot of hooking on going on because what else are you going to do? To do? And uh, another thing which we did, which was very good, we traveled. Again, we didn't have much money. We sold everything what we could on the black market there. And little money that they would give us. You don't have uh, any money for hotels. But trains are very cheap. So what you do, you go late at night at the train station, you buy the ticket, you fall asleep, you wake up, and you're in a new city. You spend time all there, okay? Then again, you buy the ticket, you sleep a little bit, you wake up, and you're there. And that's how we travel. We went to Pisa, went to Venice, uh, went back to Rome. Uh, I have to think where else we went. But it was fun. Florence. Hmm. Um, so we went to all the museums and we uh, looked all around. And it was absolutely good. We didn't have a penny. Yeah. But we enjoyed every single second of it. It was interesting to walk around Florence and Rome with my brother. My brother is his history buff. And he has a photographic memory. And he read enormous amount of history books. And a lot of things that he knew, he never saw. Yeah. So when we went to Florence and he reads... You know, this is plaza of this and this. He's like, oh, that's what it is. And he tells you the whole story, what happened here. And then we would go to Rome and he would read like little, little, you know, hundred steps. And he's like, do you know why it's famous? And to have him next to you, it was so exciting. It was so good. And then finally, oh, my sister-in-law. She's tall, she's skinny, and she's red hair. That's all what you need to be the most popular girl in Italy. <laughs> they don't have anybody right here there. The men were following her like by hundreds. And she's like, wow, I like being here. <laughs> um, somebody offered her a ride in Alfa Romeo. So she sat down and they went. And when she came back, her hair was like there. Because it was so fast. It was good. So finally, after two months in May, May 13, we got our permission to go to United States. And we popped on a plane, whatever it is, hours later, we ended up in New York City, got another plane to Boston, where we've been met by our relatives and friends that we knew here. So when you, do you get to choose which city you go to? So they say, do you know people in mm-hmm. Boston? Like mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. Can... Yeah, somebody has, you, you, you have to know somebody. It's not like a sponsor kind of thing. Kind of, okay. yeah. So they met us in Boston and they're driving us to uh, their house because they've been here already for like five years or so. They had their own house. I'm driving. I don't know if you've ever been on Linway. It's from airport to Lin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 1A. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Late at night. And I'm like, 
this is sucks. Yeah. This is this <laughs> is <laughs> dark. First impression on, of America. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, on the right side, like little, little, little houses, one stories, and they close to each other, and they're right on the highway. On the left side, it's all car lots because mm-hmm. they're selling yeah. these no lights. It's absolutely terrible. We got to their house. It's late at night. You really couldn't tell where it was, but it's like a little ranch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got there, and we're just talking. You know, nobody wants to go to, to sleep. We talked all through the night. At night, in the morning, you know, somebody took a little bit sleep. They went to work. They're coming back. And they're like, okay, we have to show you everything around. And that's where you start discovering the United States. Mm. So, the first thing that really grabbed me, and I still remember this, we went outside uh, to the Star, Star Market uh, parking lot mm-hmm. because they wanted to show us how to shop, you know, food. And I'm looking at people and everybody fat. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody dressed in coordination one with another. Like the clothes uncoordinated. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, blue with green with like those colors never go t- together nothing style it amazes me and you know in Ruski land we didn't have much but at least we had certain style you know you don't walk in pajamas outside you do here <laughs> so and that absolutely like, wearing pajamas right now you can have any, you can have anything you want but you don't now, now I understand because it's not important. Yeah. But at that point, it's like I can understand mm-hmm. how it's possible. And on top of that, you just got done spending a couple months in Italy, of all places, like where everyone's fashionable. So kind of, yes, contrast. Yes. So finally, we went to the star market, and amount of food and how the food presented is absolutely amazing. It didn't happen to me, but somebody told me that one lady, after being in a food market, you know, with the same experience like us from Russia, they would say, well, you see, we have apples, we have, you know, bananas. She's like, yeah, 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 I understand. Well, none of it is real. (laughs) So (laughs) her mind even wouldn't accept that whatever she sees is real. So you can imagine wow. how it is. I accept that was real, but the taste sucked. Really? Yes. Yeah. I took the apple, I had a bite of it, and it's like grass. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any taste to it. Like Russian apples, you go and tears coming out. Like you're drooling. It's like so much rich taste. And taste is really big difference in food. Mm-hmm. Butter too salty. <laughs> The bread doesn't have any oomph to it. Um, like milk, bitter compared to, to what you... So all of those things really affect you. Because all of a sudden what you like, you don't like anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom went nuts. Why? <laughs> because she had like a book this thick with all the recipes useless 
if you use the same ingredient, mm-hmm. it doesn't come out the same again. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, baking stuff like flour, mm-hmm. too fine. Well, baking is an exact science. Yeah, you can't like. It doesn't come out yeah. the same. It took you years and years to actually modify it and to figure out how this, the whole thing works. Um, coffee. The way you guys drink coffee is like huge, gigantic cup. We had it always in the small ones. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. what? This is coffee? You're drinking this? <laughs> this will be actually be one of three that I have of these today. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no <laughs> one, first of many. Yeah. But like, yeah, I've, I've heard that from many people who, who come to America. Coffee's a different thing here. Yeah. Like, uh, coffee, coffee's fuel. Well, that's for, how we <laughs> treat food that way, too. Yeah, kind of. We don't. It's more like we just use things to keep going. It's yeah. Like, it's less about the experience and more about what you're doing after the meal. Right, yeah. When I asked my cousin what is the most popular food here, she said burger. I'm like, I want burger. I had one bite of the burger and I almost throw it. <laughs> it didn't have any taste. It didn't have any texture. Mm-hmm. It was like rotten meat that I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. The same thing was with pop drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, the bubbly things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took Coke and I, it was too sweet. It was too, like... I couldn't handle it. So yeah. everything what you guys like, all of a sudden, I hate it. Yeah. I tried it. It was so different. Was that after the high fructose corn syrup switch? Or the, I think, I think it was before. It was like maybe before. Yeah. So another thing which absolutely amazed me was that when you buy cheese, mm-hmm. It's already cut, and each oh. piece <laughs> is already wrapped because it was craft cheese. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that amazed me. I remember I wrote a letter back <laughs> to Russia about just cheese, is, <laughs> which is already cut and already uh, wrapped around. Uh, buying bread, which was already sliced. Yeah. Mm. Bread keeping in the freezer or in the refrigerator to keep fresh. That was blind, like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It, we would keep it in a cellophane bag like this, mm-hmm. or in a, a box, mm-hmm. and when it dries out, we would grind it and make breadcrumbs out of it, so nothing would be wasted. Now, the biggest surprise in food for me personally was Chinese food. Good surprise or bad surprise? Great surprise. Okay, okay. Yeah. It was, first of all, it looks delicious. Second, my taste buds never uh, experienced any of those tastes. Mm-hmm. Never in my life. And it was pleasant. It was great. Drinks. Uh, with the bamboo sticks sticking out, with mm-hmm. umbrellas. Yeah. With, it's like... When I drink, I used to drink to get drunk, okay? What it is, it doesn't matter. It could be glass. That's pretty enough, yeah. all right? But all of a sudden, to make something alcoholic really pleasant, that you can see, how did that happen? I can't believe this. So, cars. Now, I grew up, it was like five different cars, okay? It was... New car and an old car. Old one was 25 years ago. New one will last for another 25 years. This is like two models. Okay. Yeah. Here you walk around and it's 
amazes me how many cars and how many names and how many types, and how many sizes and colors. And it's interesting because all of a sudden I start noticing that in the front, uh, in the windshield, they would have part of the windshield dark yeah. to make it easy yeah. for you. Uh, I noticed that on some cars on the back, uh, it goes up and down the, the glass. Mm -hmm. I could never even think of those things that they're possible. And being automatic, that's a miracle. <laughs> Because everything was manual. Mm -hmm. Another thing which was very interesting is I see the car goes very fast. Parks just where it is. Stand there. Then the door open and an old lady comes out. <laughs> <of there. laughs> and that amazes me how old lady would drive. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this. So that was another thing which was really, really funny. Uh, how people friendly. Everybody laughing, everybody smiling, everybody looking at each other's eyes, everybody saying hello, how are you? I don't know you, but they're asking. And this is Boston you're talking about? In Lynn. In Lynn. Lynn. First, yeah. Wow. And that's yeah. like, yeah, that, that's, that's like the low end of it the is country as far as, that, as far as that goes. That, like, that's right. Because if but, you go down south, they're really friendly. Like, like, they're actually really genuinely friendly to you mm -hmm. in the streets. Like, Nothing compared to Ruskiland. They would no. kill you there. Oh, I know. <laughs> you specifically, Jim. Yes. Well, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> and another thing which was interesting, you know, you would ask somebody, uh, hi, how are you? And they're like, Yes, I'm good, very nice, thank you. And they can drop dead next minute. Yeah. Okay, but it's always positive. If you ask Russian guy, how are you? He'll tell you the whole freaking story. Yeah. Uh, that you don't want to hear. You full crime and punishment on you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, back in Ruskiland, we lived in a three-room apartment, okay, which was unbelievable. It was so good. It was for four people. Now, three rooms, it's not three bedrooms, it's three rooms. Mm -hmm. So my brother and I would have a bedroom together, my mom and dad had a bedroom together, and then we had one common room. And that was a lot. Um, in fact, it was a lot to the point that at some point when I was in like high school, I would be embarrassed to invite some of my friends into my uh, apartment. Because it was too nice? Or it was too nice. By comparison? Yes. Because a lot of them would live in room, one room, with two other siblings and the parents. And it was communal room. So it was a, an apartment with five different rooms. Each room is a uh, different family. Mm -hmm. They would have one uh, communal bathroom for mm -hmm. all of them. And they would have one communal kitchen for all of them. If that kitchen would have two refrigerators, that would be good. If it would have two ovens, that would be good. Majority of the time, it was small enough kitchen where it would have just one and one. And even just that set of space concerns, like five families, you're going to have a lot of interpersonal friction. Like you're not oh, always going to get along. Yeah, right? ab absolutely. Absolutely. But even inside, can you imagine to have a family with kids in one room when parents 
and kids in the same room. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Like, how do you leave? So they would have big piece of furniture separate the room. Okay, mm -hmm. so on one side it's parents, on another side. It's... What about the grandmothers? They Sometimes they would be right there too. So when we moved to our apartment, that apartment was given to us to move in. We would have to pay it. Like first three months, I think, were paid for us to kind of establish ourselves. Uh, but each one of us had our own bedroom which was unheard of. It had a telephone from day one, which was unheard of. Good friend of mine, his family was online to get a telephone for 15 years. Oh okay, after 15 years, you got a phone. Now, in communion, uh, communal apartments, you would have one phone for all of them and it would be in the hallway. Mm. So it rings, you're like, hey, oh yeah, Ray, come over here, it's for you. It's one of the 20 people that live in that That's area. right. Yeah. When you walk into the house with those apartments, in the front, the door to the apartment, they would have five different bells. So for this family, you ring one bell. For this family, you ring two bells. For this family, you ring three bells. So th that's how they know who, would, who people would outside would be for. So... All of a sudden, here we are. Now, I went into my bedroom in a new American apartment, okay? And I would have the bed. And next to the bed, there would be um, a... Dresser? Or a like a dresser. Like a nightstand. A nightstand. Yeah, a nightstand. And dresser, and on the top of it would be TV. Yeah. Like, what? My own? <laughs> How did that happen? And then my mom and dad, they would have their own TVs sitting there. And then there would be big TV in a big room. It, that was amazing. Three TVs for one family? Yeah. What are we going to do? Play volleyball with it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Uh, so how fast you get here to what it took years and years and years for a family to get there. It's amazing. The speed of uh, being good. Like, we were fine back in Ruski land. But we come over here and we're the poorest of the poor and we're having more and better things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just got in here and you already have more than you ever had. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That must have softened the blow of moving to Lynn after Italy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to tell you, for me personally, I always thought about it as an adventure. Mm -hmm. Okay? Like, in my mind, I would, they put us in a really, really scary neighborhood in Lynn. Okay? I think we were, like, the only in white people in that in part. In the Lynn area of Lynn? Yes. So... I would go outside, and obviously everybody knew we moved in. So one of the neighbor's girls, I don't know, she was maybe 20, already with a kid. Yeah. Um, she's like, you moved here? You know, in my very basic English, like, yes, I am from Russia, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, my name. And she's like, can I touch you? 
because I never <laughs> saw Russian before. And she was like, I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm unique. <laughs> for, for all you in podcast land, Vlad was just touching me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm to make sure everyone got the visual there. So <laughs> I always thought about it as an adventure. Um, another thing, the way you um, kind of discover America. You discover America on a level that you understand it. And I think I told you the story before. I went for a walk around Lynn and there was a big, big building, very impressive building. And on the top it said, Young Man Christian Association. <laughs> so I'm trying to read Young Man. Okay, it's a Young Man I understand what that means. Christian. Yeah, I can understand. It's religion. Okay. Association. So what, how together? So in my mind, it's where they taught to be monks. <laughs> it's yeah. a school for monks. That's the, how the, I... That makes sense. The monk got kicked out of the village people early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I interpreted it to myself. All right, but it's interesting. I never saw how, you know, monks being learned. So I go there and I look through the window and there's like a pool and everybody's swimming. <laughs> everybody walking. And very interesting, there's women inside. And I'm like, how it could be? It's a young man organization for monks, but there's women inside. And there's this very nice lady who is sitting in the front behind the table and she's like this to me and I'm looking around alright so I open the door but I don't get in yeah okay and she said come on in would you like join us I'm like no I can't I'm Jewish <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way you understand the country. Yeah. You know, it's it's unbelievable now, but at that point, you live at the best of your intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. I would go to, to the store. My mom would send me to buy some stuff in the store. And I don't know what it is. It's a sour cream. But it's not a sour cream. It's something else that we have. You guys don't have it. That's why I couldn't find it. So anyway, I go there... And I'm, as a mind, I'm like, that's a moo. They're like, all right, cow, 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 cow. I'm like, milk. They're like, yeah, yeah, mix it. Mmm, so good. They're like, oh, all right, we know what it is. They get me and they got me like butter. I can recognize butter. It's not what I want. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like curly, curly, curly. They're like, oh, okay. It's a sour cream. I'm looking, no, it's too smooth. It's curly, curly, curly. And then they say, oh, it's a cottage cheese. I'm like, oh, all right, cottage cheese. Probably good. So I'm bringing home, giving mom cottage cheese. She opens and almost throw up. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I love it. Uh, I could eat it by the fistful. Yeah, me too. You, can have, uh, you both can have mine. It's not what she expected at all. So that's how you discover United States, like little by little. Big thing for me was English. And that's why I gave you the book. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I read this book, and that book was very, very difficult for, for me. And um, just to set up, Vlad, yes. Vlad gave me to, to, to look at a, uh, an English as a second language Russian, a Russian, a Russian book to teach English in two years. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fascinating just in that it's, it's essentially a textbook, like, like, a, like a school textbook, uh, but in, from the context of Soviet Russia... Um, and so the first thought that came, the first thought that came to mind for me was like where my history textbooks were were peppered with things like the, the, the great explorer Christopher Columbus, or like mm-hmm, yeah. the uh, the great president Thomas Jefferson, or George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. This one has you know the great Vi Lenin and yeah. like, like all and all these. So you get to see through the English lessons a little bit of a. A, a, a little bit of a glimpse of the where the, the, where the tilt the, is yeah where the tilt is <laughs> so that book it's a very simple book isn't mm-hmm. it yeah but it was very complicated for me I couldn't read like big articles there I couldn't read so my level of uh, English was my name is Vlad I'm from Russia I'm 24 years old I'm dental technician um, I like doing whatever yeah okay that's about it i remember and i'll come back to it in a second i made myself a piece of furniture and somebody uh, showed up at my uh, apartment and i couldn't say that i did it myself the sentence i uh, made it myself i couldn't say it yeah it was too complicated for me the, the, like the difference between the, the you're talking about like the myself as a reflexive versus intensive pronoun like did you struggle with okay, like, English like, teacher like so, no because I'm saying my students have trouble with that too like I it, I you like does it sound like you were saying I made myself like a, like I made like me I, like I made me I, I I couldn't say it I didn't even mm-hmm. know how to say it so that was the level of yeah um, English about where am I so but English like my brother for example he can open the book he can read it he can understand it he close it and he can translate he can write he can read okay I can't I can read the book 500 times like this the textbook it would not sink in I have to leave it. Like, if I listen to somebody, if I watch somebody, then it's comprehensible. It's different learning style. Yeah, different. So, to the cousin that met us in the house, they had HBO. All right. And I would go into their basement and I would watch 007 movies. Mm. And in HBO, they would rotate the same movie all the time, all the time in the different times. So I would go there and I watch the same movie, the same movie, the same movie. First time you watch just for action. You don't care what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Second time you're trying to figure out who is good, who is bad. Then you're understanding, oh, this part is important because of this. And then all of a sudden you start understanding what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's passive understanding. You won't be able to say it yourself. But all of a sudden it's not gibberish anymore. You can separate one word from another. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sinking in. Another way, uh, I watched uh, Sesame Street. Like, for little kids. Yeah. 
it was great. Very slow, by itself, very visual. You can see exactly what it is. It sinks in. Kid stuff is generally a great way to learn a second language because I used to like in like Spanish classes at school. I used to read like Goosebumps and stuff, like uh, just mm. children's books that because they're very simple and they and they tell a story and that you can, it's easy to put together. Yes, which brings me to another thing. At my job, which I'll, I come back to it, I was like a babysitter to kids. And I was reading them uh, fairy tales. But fairy tales that I knew, you know, like about the Red Riding Hood. You still don't know that one that well. I'll I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why about it. Or Three Little Pigs. But basically, when you're reading this little book, okay, you're reading, but you know the story. So you kind of figure it out. Yeah. my first book in English that I read from cover to cover was Love Story by mm. Siegel, I think. Uh, yeah, what's is that? I, I'm forgetting that. All I know is that there was the thing about like it was supposed to be based on Al Gore, but that's but yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh yeah, Eric Siegel. Yeah, yeah, Eric Siegel, and not because it's such a great book, it's because in the seventies or whatever it is, there was a very famous song, the Love Story song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so popular, and I bet a lot of Russian kids were born because of that. <laughs> uh, that I really wanted to know the story of it, and I read. It. And it's a very simple book. I think it's like third grade level. Honestly, God, it's such a simple book. The second book that I read from cover to cover was uh, Godfather, mm-hmm. and Godfather was great. Yeah. Because it had slant to it, has interest. It, like, not this stuff in a book yeah. that is not interesting at all. And I would read it, and if I would read the whole page. Even if I don't understand every single word, I wouldn't go to the, uh, the dictionary, dictionary to understand. No, I would just go through, uh-huh. and then I'm like, oh, that's what that's supposed to mean. Probably, like, back. And I read everything from cover to cover wow. and enjoyed tremendously. Plus, if the same word shows up several times, you kind of figure out what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, that was fun to do. Now, my mom took the whole um, immigration really hard to herself because she couldn't cook anymore. She couldn't speak anymore, she couldn't socialize anymore, she couldn't find a job anymore. My brother found a job right away, my sister-in-law found a job right away. I got busy right away and finally I moved out of the house, which is a different story. And my dad found a job. Now, my dad found a job washing dishes in the nursing home. Okay? He didn't have any car, so what he did would he do walk. Before? What was his he was in, in a chemical company. Okay. So, he would walk like two miles or three miles to, to his job, walk there and come back three miles back. He never walked that much in his life. Yeah. So obviously he lost weight, he started looking good. My mom is crying. Okay, why? Because her husband is losing weight. It's reflection on her how bad she is taking care of the husband. And it probably emphasized her feelings about not being able to cook as well. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So, and he's like, 
please stop, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm busy, I'm waking up in the morning, because he was always, wake up in the morning, go to work, come back, you know, take a nap if it has to be, why, because mm -hmm. he's tired, all mm -hmm. right, man is working. Now, she is home in a different country, in four walls, absolutely isolated from everybody, no friends, no relatives, like nothing, and everybody gone. For her, it was terrible. In a world she before was the crying. internet and like cable TV and... She was absolutely petrified. The family that now, you had here, that was here ahead, was that your father's side? My father doesn't have anybody except brother. Okay, okay. And he was in Israel. Yep. No, everybody that we had was my mom. Okay. Um, <laughs> I became a bad son. All right, and this is something by choosing. If it would be my mom's will, she would stay, she would tell me, please stay here, we have food for you, we have bed for you, you know, please be, because that's how it would be back in Ruski land. Yeah. You live with your family till you're married and whatever it is. Even after you're married, you live with your family. Yeah. Because you don't have anywhere to move to. I made a conscious decision to move away. I looked around and I saw that a lot of people, you know, kids of my age, kids, you know, guys of my age or younger who live with their families, they don't have a job, they don't have any way to mm. assimilate, they don't have any way to become independent. Mm -hmm. There was no future being there because you enclosed, you... Uh, relationships only with other immigrants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I'm not a school guy. I knew I had to learn English. The only way for me to learn English and to become independent uh, is to get myself out of the Russian community, put myself uh, into American community. Mm -hmm. It's like taking off the training wheels in a way. like Emergent. Kind of, yes. So, I made a conscious decision to move out and be independent as much as I can. So I went to the local rabbi, uh, because it's a huge Jewish community there, mm -hmm. in Swamskut. And I said, listen, I just want to be able to move out. Can you just spread the word? Maybe I'll be able to do that. So in the congregation, that's what he did. And one American family in Swamskut said, you know what? He can move with us. He can take care of whatever we're asking him to take care of. He can live for free. Um... It's fine. We're happy to help him. So I moved in on the third floor in the attic. Mm -hmm. There was a one room in my own bathroom. Kitchen I didn't have, but I could use their kitchen. I could use their food. Uh, I didn't have to pay rent. What I had to do, I had to clean the house. I had to uh, warm up the cars in the wintertime, wash cars in the summertime. Uh, clean up the snow, send kids to school, meet kids from school, give kids uh, lunch when they come in or breakfast in the morning, and clean the house. Basically, you know, if I have to clean once a week, like every Sunday or every Monday, whatever it is, all the bathrooms and everything else, that's it. But evenings were all mine. In between, when kids are out, it's all mine. So, when you don't have any bills, it's great. Yeah. 
And I was in American family, in American environment. So I, this always conversation with little kids, conversation with their mom, conversation with your husband, with their guests. If they had friends over, I would serve food there. <laughs> Again, the conversation, and I was kind of like a novelty. Everybody would like to know what, how, and why. At night, I found a job. And the job was in a deli. Uh, washing dishes. They took me first because it was a Jewish deli. Like, okay, come over here. Second, it was close. I had a bicycle and I could bike there. Yeah. I didn't need a car. I would wash dishes, talk to the guys. Two months later, I'm like the best dishwasher in the world. Now, they gave me a recommendation to work in a other restaurant on the weekends. I'm like, all right, weekends are mine because kids don't need me. Parents are home. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. So I would walk all weekend long in a new restaurant. They would pay me $3.15 an hour. All right. Great money. So I would walk there. That guy loved me. He was like, all right, I'm going to give you a recommendation. You can walk in another place to prepare salads, like pizza place. So I got a third job. When they would call me, I would go there when they need me. Now, as I told you, everybody loved me for my job. Okay? Three times. It wasn't that uh, complicated. Mm -hmm. Because every single dishwasher that they had probably had six years of education. They were drunk. They could care less about the job because they weren't interested in it. Yeah. Okay, they were lazy like anybody else. They would smoke or drink. So if the guy who doesn't uh, take breaks, who always shows on time, who loves the job because that was the best job that ever paid me, yeah. uh, eager to do it and doesn't talk to anybody because he, can't. <laughs> he becomes the best one. Okay, they yeah. couldn't have enough of me. So, another great thing was, it gave me free money. Now, let's come back to the money. Back in Ruski land, you would walk, and I was dental technician, what I do right now, okay? And I would walk 40 hours a week. For After four weeks, I would get one paycheck once a month. That was 75 bucks. Jesus Christ. So my day basically would come out like three day, three dollars uh, a day. Okay? If you count it divided by eight, how much it is an hour? Pennies. I'm not a math teacher. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So in one hour, I was making more than I would make in a day. Yeah. Okay? And money that can buy more power mm -hmm. compared to what I ever had in my life. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't speak. I don't know, you know, any rules of engagement. I'm socially absolutely not fitting anywhere. I'll smell like crap. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm still succeeding compared to what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... 
picked up some money. My dad helped me too. And we bought a car. 700 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Now, buying a car, again, we had a car. Nobody knew how to, to drive. Yeah. And majority of the family, in order to buy the car, they would sacrifice for 20, 25 years to buy a car. Because if engineer makes $120, if doctor makes $150, if technician makes $75 a month, okay? And a car costs 7000 you can imagine. Yeah. It's enormous amount of money. Yeah. So for us, washing dishes and being poor, and within the six months, being able to buy a car, it's like unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. When you call somebody or write somebody, they think that you're just bullshitting them. It's yeah. impossible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit. I passed the car test, and all of a sudden, the whole world opened for me. Yeah. Because now I don't have to do the bike. I can drive. And now starts the funniest thing. Because you're discovering America that is far away. You don't know crap about it. <laughs> and you do it on your own. Here's a good example. My dad asked me, because he had so many friends in uh, New York, that we would go to New York. Where in New York? I don't know. doesn't matter. We're going, <laughs> we're going to New York. So I go to my cousin and I'm like, listen, I want to go to New York. I'm driving, driving on my, my family. He said, simple. You go to 95, okay? After that, you go uh, all the way to, the, to New, New York. Just stay on 95. All right? All right. So I'm driving from Lynn, 93, and then there's a fork on the road. And it said, 95 south and 95 north. Both 95. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. So... My father, why did you stop? I'm like, Dad, they told me to go on 95. Look, it said 95 and 95. I don't know which one to take. He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? He said, they both go to New York. Only one goes from the north and that one goes to from the south. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the level of understanding. So I got out. I start asking people like on a, a break area. And they're looking at me like I'm a freaking idiot. Like, where's New York? Where am I going? South, south, go south. All right, okay. So we got to New York and we survived. So that was fun. And that was part one of that episode. Check back next week for part two with more of Vlad's stories of his early days in America. And if you want more Vlad, we have audio from Vlad's one-man show about his training as a mime under Marcel Marceau, which we're going to be releasing as a bonus episode very soon. So look back for that. The Bit Players perform every Friday and Saturday night at 8 p.m. And Vlad is there for most shows. It is BYOB. Uh, go to bitplayers.net for tickets. I'm Jim. Check back next week for part two. See you then.